looking at just a few verses. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Luke 9, 23 through 26, and this is what the word of the Lord says, And he was saying to them, All, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Father, today as we look to your word, as we are reminded that as believers in Christ, we are followers of one person, and that is Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to daily take up our cross to deny ourselves and to follow you. We've tried all the other ways. We've, we've followed so many other things, and Lord, we realize you're the only one worth following. Lord, let your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and let us listen to what you say to us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for the uh, just the, the words of welcome that you all have given me and my family. Um, the um, all the the treats and just the uh, the nice messages that you all have given us. Uh, it is I'm reminded every time I move, uh, people say you must have this down pat by now. But actually, it just doesn't get easier. I, I don't know what it is. It's just the way it is, I guess. Uh, so what I want to talk to you about this morning is what it really means to be a disciple of Christ. Now, when we use the word disciple, uh, you know, what we're really, you know, simply saying is we're following Jesus. You may not realize it this morning, but all of us are following something or somebody. Now, I don't usually quote Bob Dylan in my sermons, but... Uh, he had a great song that said, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And so that is true. Everybody is serving somebody or someone or something. Every one of us is following something. Jesus says, if you're my disciple or if you're my follower, then you should be following me. And he's not just talking about physically. We don't physically follow the Lord, but what he's saying is, in my word, are you following what I say? If you love the Lord, Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what I say. I'm reminded of a little chorus that we, we used to sing, and, and um, it, it would say, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, I'm not going to sing it for you because I want you to stay in here. Um, but you know, many of you know that course. I have decided to follow Jesus. And, um, you know, uh, we would also say the hard part, though none go with me, still I will follow. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what is necessary in following Christ. 
Now, I'm not talking about following him just on Easter Sunday or Christmas Sunday. I'm talking about every day because Jesus said uh, to uh, take up your cross daily and follow him. So Jesus states conditions in becoming one of his followers or one of his disciples. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, let's go back a little bit to Luke 9, 18. Because what, what we find out is Jesus asked the question that so many today still ask about him. He even said, who do the people say that I am? And verse 19 said, they answered and said, John the Baptist and others say Elijah, but others that one of the prophets of old has risen again. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. So there's three things this morning I want to talk to you about, and I want you to think of it as going on a trip. So there's three things that you do when you go on a trip, or there's three things you do when you travel. First, you say farewell. You say goodbye to someone or something or an animal. And second, you carry up your baggage or your suitcase or your mini suitcases. And then third, you proceed with the journey. So in becoming Jesus' follower... What do we have to do? We have to say goodbye to everything else. Our first necessity in, in saying, uh, or in following, excuse me, Jesus is to say goodbye. Now, who are we saying goodbye to? The main person that you say goodbye to is you. Now, we are uh, living in, in a, a, a time, a, a season, I would say, that is really not any different than when uh, Satan as a snake spoke to Eve and Adam when he said, if you will just eat this fruit, you will become like God. Probably one of now the greatest false teachings that, that people believe, even some in church believe, is that you should be your own God. That whatever makes you happy, that's what you should do. Whatever pleases you, Whatever you do to make you, you, you do it. The problem with that is it goes directly contrary to what Jesus said about denying yourself. Did you even know that back, back, in, the, back in the day in the Salvation Army, we used to have a time called self-denial? Can you imagine? You would actually deny yourself. And, and we would take up offerings and send it overseas or we'd send it to the training college. And I remember people saying, you know what, you spend $2 on a Coke and a bag of chips, then you can deny that and send that to someone else. Now, it sounds simplistic, but what was it doing? It was teaching us there's more important things than what I want. Because the first thing we have to understand is, who is Lord? Jesus is Lord, not us. You know, we often tell people that Jesus wants to come into your heart and he wants to take residence and he wants to be Lord of your life. The issue, though, is there's already somebody sitting on the throne and it's us. And so we have to make sure that we say, you know what, Lord? We have to say like John the Baptist, I must decrease, he must increase. And that, my friends, is daily. That's just not a prayer you pray once. It's part of... It's part of sanctification. It's part of uh, becoming more and more like Christ. 
This means you've totally decided every day, you've got to make that decision, that we're, not, we're no longer looking out for number one. Because that's what the world teaches, right? Look out for you. Do what's best for you. Whatever makes you happy. It's easy to say farewell to other people. It's hard to say it to yourself. But Christ has to become the most important person in our life. Let me quote what D.L. Moody once said. The first step to a higher service is the end of self. God's way up is down. God never yet lifted a man high that he did not cast him down first. Self must be annihilated. When we get to the end of our own power, it is then that the power of God is manifested in us. God always uses ways that are opposite of what we think. It's strange to think that if we want to follow the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we have to first get rid of the, the, the Lord of our life at first, which is ourselves. Now, we may say, oh, no, no, I don't, I don't live that way, but you did before Christ. And sometimes the struggle is still putting what we want aside. As salvationists, we realize that our life is a life of service, service to God, service to each other, service to others, period. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, when God calls a man or a woman, he bids them come and die. Now you understand why um, not everybody runs to Christ. Because Jesus says, if you're going to come to me, it's all or nothing. You got to be all in, right? I think there's a football team that says all in. They got to be all in. And they make sure that if you're on that team, you're all in. When we decided to follow Christ daily, we have to give up things that we may see that may seem needed or we tell ourselves, I need this in my life. When Jesus says to deny yourself, he's saying that to put him first means we have to allow some of the things of this world to become second place. Now here here uh, friends, this is where it gets iffy for us. It's not because we're wanting possessions or we're wanting a bigger house or a better car. A lot of times we'll say, Lord, you know, my family comes first. No, it doesn't. That's the struggle. No, my relationship to God comes first. Think about the rich young ruler. When Jesus told him to give all his riches to the poor and to sell everything, the Bible says in Luke 18, 23, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Now, why did he become sad? Because he didn't want to deny himself. You know, friends, it's easy sometimes to sit back and think, man, I'd have it made if, if I was rich. The problem, though, is so many times it's not that you have the money. The money has you. Sometimes we think life would be better if I had a bigger house or a bigger this or a bigger TV. I don't think we can get any bigger TVs than we have now. But you know what? It's easy, again, for that part of the world to start creeping in, and, 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 and we have to decide every day. Because without self-denial first, without saying goodbye to what I want, what I desire first, there is no following Jesus anywhere. Because first thing is, he says, you must deny yourself. So once you say goodbye to yourself, and we do it every day, then what we have to do is we carry our cross. 
And so Jesus says, take up your cross. Now, you and I don't have a physical cross that we carry. Uh, I've seen, you know, and you've seen it on Facebook or on the news, someone that'll take a cross and walk miles and miles down the interstate. But we have to understand that when Jesus said, take up your cross, his followers knew exactly what he meant. The cross in their day was one of the worst forms of punishment that you could ever endure in that time of history. In fact, even today, if, if you could give the Romans credit for anything, they knew how to punish somebody. In fact, if you've ever said, uh, you know what, I've got this excruciating pain. If you've ever used the word excruciating, that word was actually created because there were no other words to describe how painful and how torturous crucifixion was. So they basically said, we got to come up with a name to describe this type of pain, and that's where we get the word excruciating. So when Jesus spoke of carrying your cross, he meant that there were going to be things that we would suffer when it comes to following him. And again, we have to ask the question, when was the last time you, me, suffered for Jesus? Now, I don't, this isn't just physical. You and I may never physically suffer for Jesus. You may suffer emotionally. You may suffer mentally. Friends, I don't think I have to tell you, it's not popular to be a Christian. I would even dare say this is not a Christian nation anymore. You may be Christian. I may be Christian. But look around. I think you and I realize we're, we're outnumbered now. And maybe, just maybe, don't, don't freak out on me. God is still in control. But could it be that this is where he says, now I'm about to find out who's really for me and who's not. Because when you're in the majority and it's popular to be Christian, that's everybody loves the Lord then. But when the heat is put on you, when you have to suffer, you, you may not realize this, but there are churches being burned in Canada. And yet we sit back in America and we think, oh, that'll never happen to us. Wake up. In Jesus' time, they knew when he said, take up your cross, they knew that that meant suffering. Now, when Jesus was about 11 years old, Judas the Galilean led a rebellion against Rome. He raided the royal armory, uh, which was four miles from Nazareth. And so to prove a point, the Romans, uh, their vengeance was swift and sudden. This is what they did. Uh, first of all, the little town, Sephorus, by Nazareth, which was raided, was burned to the ground. Uh, they took the inhabitants of the community, sold them into slavery, and 2,000 of the rebels were crucified on crosses, and they were set in lines along the roadside so that it would be a warning to others tempted to join the rebellion that this is what happens when you go against your Lord, Caesar. You see, to take up your cross means you and I will suffer for Jesus. In fact, in the New Testament, we're told that, you know, really, if you haven't suffered in some form or fashion, you may need to check yourself. You may need to see if, if, if you're really following 
the Lord. Because what does that mean? It means that maybe not everybody in your family will speak to you anymore. Maybe you will lose friends or they, you thought they were your friends. Maybe because you're, you've made the Lord your, your ultimate goal, you're going to have to say no to certain things that you used to like. That's part of suffering. The cross is the suffering that comes from our faithful connection with Christ. I'm not talking about just living in this world. Everybody suffers. Not everybody suffers for Jesus' sake. And that's the difference. Jesus says in Luke 6.22, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. If they're doing that for any other reason other than because of the Son of Man, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about suffering for his glory. So when's the last time that someone hated you because you love the Lord? When's the last time you were excluded or insulted or made fun of? Jesus says, that's great. Be happy. Blessed are you. Because what you've proven to yourself and what you've proven to the Lord is, He is number one. Whatever you put at number one, hey, guess what? People are going to attack that. What's the most hated team in history? Whichever one's number one. Right? It's true. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you count the cost. So Jesus says to his disciples, are you ready to take up your cross and follow me? It's not going to be easy. It's not an easy road to follow the Lord. Jesus even said, you know what? There's a wide road that seems great and everybody's going to go down that road. But then there's a, 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 what I like to say, a little dirt road, a little path that's narrow and it's, and it's bumpy and it's not the most attractive. And Jesus says, that's where you'll find life. Paul said, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. And then Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What, what, What little suffering that we have here will not compare to being with God in eternity. Now that's easy for us to say, none of us have been burned at the stake, none of us have been fed to the lions yet, Uh, none of us have have really had to ultimately suffer. God has, has blessed us in that, but the question still remains, if it came to that, would you still love the Lord? That's a question only you can answer. After you've said farewell and after you've taken up your cross, the, the, the next thing that you and I do on this journey with the Lord is follow him. That's what a real disciple does. They follow Jesus. So when we become Christ's disciples, we make the decision to willfully follow him. Now here's the wonderful thing. Jesus is a gentleman. He will not grab you by the arm and say, you're coming with me. Jesus says, I'll invite you to come, but I won't make you. And so he does not forcefully make you do anything 
or make me. But he says, the invitation is here. Would you like to follow me? And then he also says, in verse 24, if you wish to save your life, you've got to lose it for my sake. And whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. The, 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 the great uh, paradox of the Bible is, if you want victory, you've got to surrender, right? If, if you want to, to, to gain life, you've got to lose your life. It, it don't sound correct to the world. It never will. But Jesus says, this, this is the way I've set it up. So daily we decide to follow him. Each new day, you and I willfully make the decision to follow Jesus. Luke 9, 23, the, the main part of this text, the meat of it, if you will, if you would come after me, deny himself and take up his cross and then follow me. Now understand, this is not a one-time thing. Salvation is a one-time thing. What we're talking about is this daily walk with the Lord. When Jesus says to follow him, he's saying every day, every minute, every moment. Christianity is a day-to-day walk with Christ. It's not just when we want to do it. I want to read to you from a, uh, a quote from A.W. Tozer. This is what he said. A true disciple does not consider Christianity a part-time commitment. He has become a Christian in all. Parts of his, in all parts of his life, he has reached the point where there is no turning back. The little chorus that I mentioned earlier, I, w- I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Christianity is not coming to church on Sunday and singing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, and then living however you want the next day. When we decide to follow Christ through his Spirit's help, We follow him each day. People like to say, when is the hardest day to be a Christian? You know, just pick a day. It doesn't really matter, right? You you know, everybody thinks it's easy on Sunday. Uh, Sometimes the hardest day is Sunday. In fact, you know, here's a lesson to to learn if you didn't know this already. You can't plan to come to church on Sunday morning. You got to do that on Saturday night or it won't happen, especially if you got a family. Being a disciple is not easy, but Christ never said it was. So if, you're, if you have fallen into this idea that God's way of living is just always happy, it's always unicorns and rainbows, that is not Christianity. That's not life, period. So Jesus actually said the opposite, but he also promised that the rewards to following him were too glorious to even imagine. And in fact, when you think about following Jesus even now, you know what? As believers, we're all related, whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not, this is one big family. And God has brought together you and I, other people, other races, other cultures, to say, look how great it is to be a part of this family. Because part of following Jesus is We find joys that we would have never experienced. And so Jesus says, yes, it's tough, but it's worth it. Years ago, Newsweek magazine published a a little piece on the toughest job in the world. And it was really just a reference to any job that had to do with making decisions. 
But I want to read this to you, and I'm going to replace the word making decisions with being a disciple. Okay? So uh, this is where it says, quote, It can be more fatiguing than a day of stone cutting. It can be more nerve-wracking than a day of heart surgery. It can bring success, happiness, life, failure, unhappiness, even death. In today's security-conscious society, it's a job fewer people want to tackle. It's not for the faint-hearted who are afraid to fail. It's not for the reckless who can be dangerous. It even invites ridicule, criticism, and unpopularity. But without it, the world stands still. It is the lonely, precarious job of being a disciple. The question that you and I have to ask ourselves, are we willing to count the cost? It doesn't matter if you've never been a follower of Christ, if you have been a follower for years, the same is true for all of us. Being a disciple of Christ means saying yes to him and no to other things and other people. When Paul said, be all things to all people, he, was, he had one goal in mind. It wasn't to be liked. It wasn't to be popular. He said, I want to be all things to all people if I could save some. Too many Christians today want to be all things to all people so all people and all things will like them. It, that's not the same. We can't all be better equipped disciples if we would allow ourselves to be used of God and allow him to mold us and shape us into what he would have us to be. God has no favorites when it comes to following him. He calls all people. He calls you no matter your background, no matter your education or lack of it. The question is, are we willing to count the cost? Now here's the other side of the story. There's a cost for anybody that you follow. The question is, is Jesus worth it to you? Is Jesus worth it to me? Now, when I think about what he did for me on the cross, what that says to me is, I was worth it to him. How can he not be worth it to me? As the piano plays, the, piano's, the pianist is going to play a, a tune that maybe might be familiar to some of you. We're not going to sing it, but as the song is being played to the tune, it's the lyrics say, I walked one day along a country road, and there a stranger followed too. Beneath the burden of his load, it was a cross, a cross I knew. And the chorus says, take up thy cross and follow me. How can I make a lesser sacrifice when Jesus gave his all? As that song is being played, I would invite you to come and pray. Maybe, maybe you've count, counted the cost. Maybe you haven't. But friends, if I could look back in the years I've been a believer, I would say it's worth it. Is it hard? Yes. But that's why it's worth it. Let him speak to you this morning and count the cost.